Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 163. This week on the show, I've got an incredible conversation with Baby. If you guys aren't familiar with her, I'm telling you right now, I know I do this a lot, but she is about to fucking blow up, and you need to be on this this rocket because it's going to be an incredible ride. Um, had a great time talking with her. We talked about all kinds of stuff. Um, developing her sound, which is this really cool amalgamation of pop and rap and hip-hop and metal and it just it it scratches that that itch on the back of your brain where all the good stuff comes from um and i think she is again poised to to just take off uh we talked about her new ep called god's favorite we talked a little bit about some of the songs on it we talked about developing her sound, uh, working in Nashville songwriting circles and, and, um, you know, finding your tribe, quote unquote, of people that understand the sound that you're going for and the the vision for the project. Um, talked about her music videos and, and trying to hang on to this cinematic style and, all of the inspiration that goes into that, including some of the horror film aspects. Uh, and it, it was just a great conversation. I really, really enjoyed our, our talk. Um, and I'm really excited to be bringing you guys this one. So let's dive into it. This is my conversation with Baby. Uh, to kick things off, though, we will start with kind of the same boring question that I always ask. It's a simple introduction. Who are you? Kind of little background on yourself and let's dive into what this project really is. Sure. Um, my name is Baby. I um, started in music as a voiceover artist uh, when I was really young, three years old, and was doing like educational um, songs and rhymes for children's dolls. Yeah. And then um, took piano lessons, uh, started learning other instruments growing up, and then was in bands when I was a teenager. Um, and then this is my second project. I had a folk project first and then realized that um, I was listening to metal and stuff. Meanwhile, right. making folk music and going, what am I doing? And then yeah. uh, started Baby in 2019, I want to say. Um, and yeah, so it's semi-new. It feels very new to me. But when I think about the years, it's already been four years. It's crazy. But well, I mean, it's been four years, but two of those were with COVID. So, you know, two of those really... Sh- kind of slow down the process and like shut right. everything down. So it's like, yeah, I've been doing it for years, but I couldn't like right. be out there and ingrained in it. Right. Know? That that makes me feel a lot better because when I think of four years, I'm like, I haven't gotten as much done as I wanted to. So I totally forgot that that happened. How can yeah. I? Yeah. <laughs> Weird how that works, right? <laughs> yep. So um, it's interesting. I didn't know about your, your folk past. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. You know, creating this music, not to say that it was like disingenuous by any means, but to your point, you know, listening to metal and kind of starting a question like, is this the authentic me? Like, what was that kind of mindset for you? I think um, that's something that always uh, I'm stressed out about because I feel like when I see artists evolve, my first 
guilty thought is like, are they doing this as like a selling out thing or um, whatever? But now being on the other end of it, I know that it doesn't have to be that route. It can be actually the opposite, finding what you were meant to do or whatever. That sounds cheesy, but um, <laughs> like the the sonic uh, realm that you were wanting to be in the whole time. I also listen to folk. I listen to everything. Right. Um, but I think the whole time while I was making folk music, I was just like, I'm not having as much fun as I could be. I think it's it's fulfilling the songwriter part of me, but it's not like when I'm performing live, I'm not like having a blast or anything. Like right. I'm <laughs> playing banjo and stuff. So I was like, it could be more fun. And then going to Nashville for the first time um, for co-writes, which was just like for sync licensing was for whatever that kind of pop realm. But I started seeing all of these other avenues that I could go down in these sessions and all the talented people I was working with. And um, then I went into pop. So I had like a little right. bridge in between <laughs> folk and metal. And that was like sync pop. And that was fun too. But then obviously now I'm here. So I just yeah. started incorporating more and more guitar and real drums into sessions until I was like, oh, this is peak fun. That's all right. I care about. It's like, how can I have the most fun? So yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I, I think, you know, for anyone that has never been through it or never seen it, the Nashville songwriting circles are insane as far as opening up creative doors and things like that. Yes. Um, talk a little bit about that. Cause like, you know, as strong of a songwriter as you may have felt getting in the, the room with some of those people is kind of eye-opening and you go, wow, maybe, maybe I didn't know what I was doing yet. <laughs> I think I felt that more on the production end. Um, because I was already producing at that point, but I was doing like basically demos, right? Like demo level of production. And then being in those rooms and with those people that I still work with to this day, like I just realized, oh my God, I need to step up my game for production. Like I am nowhere near where I should be because I also produce other artists and that's something I want to do for a long time. So I stopped doing sessions for a little bit and just like, you know, hermited and <laughs> learned a lot and then went back out into production. But for songwriting, I will say that I feel um, like Nashville lacks the the rock writing mm -hmm. and yeah. anything more left of center. So I kind of felt the opposite a little bit where I was in certain rooms and going, everybody's writing is pretty bland here. And then I would be in other rooms. And I was like, these are my people. And then those people I yeah. keep, with, of course. But I think, I don't know. I think it, there's such a variety of musicianship in Nashville that there's a lot of really talented people and a lot of people that are just kind of following the um, formulas. So I try to yeah. avoid them. <laughs> well, and, and especially, you know, Nashville has the stereotype, right? Like it's the heart of country. So mm -hmm. you have a ton of that type of stuff, the singer songwriter, the, the folk, the country. And it's like, like you just said, okay, guys, we're following the formula. We know these songs will sell, they'll do okay. But like, is everybody loving yeah is everybody loving what they're doing like is everybody right. happy yeah that's definitely something I look for and when I'm doing co-writes which I don't do so much anymore after I found those specific people that's who is on my schedule now but right. um I think yeah like the people that were really passionate and excited about trying new genres and and adding new things into their repertoire of like what they produce those are the people that I gravitated towards instead of of course like who wants to be in a room with people that are doing the same thing every session yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I dog on them a lot, but you don't want to be Nickelback, right? You don't want to write the same record time <laughs> after time. Sure. They've sold millions of That's them. That's the best band ever. <laughs> Have, I mean, so 
to kind of tie them into your sound though, like their newest couple singles, hang on, bear with me. Their newest couple singles have went into that like much heavier and almost metal feel. Oh, really? So I haven't listened. Yeah, you'll have to go check out. Uh, I don't know the name of it because I don't follow them that closely, but they have a track that they just released. I think it was this year that is borderline a metal track. And it's like, okay, like, are they finally going? The right. formula was cool, but now let's have fun. That would be great. Um, yeah, I feel like there are a lot of cool metal things happening. Um, yeah. I also feel like that is going into like a more commercial realm with like the pop punk stuff that I don't love. That like people are just kind of going, I guess we'll add guitars into our pop music and hope it sells. Um, yeah. So I'm like weary of people transitioning into metal, even though I'm literally one of them. But right. But I, <laughs> well, I think the difference is, and you know, this isn't me trying to blow smoke or anything like that. But I think the difference is like you're kind of fusing several different genres together, right. and it's creating this kind of soundscape that only a couple people exist in right now. Like honestly, you and Banshee are the only two that I can think of doing mm-hmm. like a rap metal a little bit of screaming you know a little heavier her screams are crazy dude she's so sick (laughs) i don't even understand what part of her voice is making that yeah yeah (laughs) she is she is insane but i think you know you guys are starting to kind of carve out your own path you know and i think to your point on the a little bit of commercialization of of metal bring me the horizons the easy example of that that Mm -hmm. they started shifting the the norm and people Mm -hmm. went oh, they're, they're working with Ed Sheeran. Like maybe this is acceptable. Right. Which is interesting. Cause I love them, but yeah, like their new stuff. I'm just like, I don't know. Right. It's, it's borderline. They change so much. They evolve so much with every right. album. And it's like, right. I think part of it is to satisfy Ollie needing to, to constantly push envelopes and things like that. For sure. But, but the other part of it, I think, is literally they just want to go out and make as much chaos as possible. Right. Which is respectable in its own way. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're dope. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your project. Like I said, we're, you're kind of genre fusing a lot of things together. Um, you're a little bit metal, a little bit hip hop, still a little bit pop in some senses. Um, what's it been like to, you know, find your soundscape, if you will? And now with the EP that's getting ready to drop, uh, actually, as of this episode going live, it'll be coming out in just a couple of days. Um, so, you know, you've got this EP that's going to drop and you're, you're going to be kind of standing here going, look at me, this is who I am. This is what I'm capable of. Yeah. I think this is the first time I've ever felt that, which is awesome. Every time it's always felt like I'm proud of what I'm releasing, but it's not quite scratching the itch of what I've always wanted to do. And I think that took working with the right people. Um, And all of my sessions are always just two people, including me. So it's only one other person. And that's really important to me um, because I feel like that's such an important relationship um, and experience. So um, there are the three producers on the, on the EP are three of the people in Nashville that have completely like open arm welcomed my heavy um desire like anything that I wanted to add in a song they were like yeah let's push the envelope everybody else is kind of like yeah like I don't know if there's like a market for that or whatever and then that was probably the last session we did (laughs) these three people um Stephen Schmolt, Paige Blue, Nate Dodge they all three of them have grown up listening to the same kind of metal Mm post-hardcore anything in that realm um so there were definitely like 
countless songs with each of them that we have um, worked on leading up to these songs that we kind of like, um, like whittled away at trial and error, what we liked and what we didn't like sonically mm-hmm. and landed on this sound, which is like you're saying, like a, a complete fusion of things. Cause I don't only listen to metal, only listen to rap. I listen to everything all at the same time. All of my playlists on my personal Spotify are absolute chaos. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of people are like that. And yeah. we don't want to just like be listening to something in the same box all the time. Um, so yeah, finding that balance of all of those genres and these songs and putting them together has just felt really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it makes me sound so old. I just turned 38, but this generation coming up in music, I do think it it is allowing more of the the genre fusion and mm-hmm. you know it's that recogni- recognition that so many people you know like I grew up saying oh I listen to everything and I meant it and but so many people like oh I listen to everything and it's like well you listen to one radio station like <laughs> you don't really listen to everything yeah. but now I think there's so many people that like truly do right. listen to just about anything like Right. Even if it's not my favorite thing, I've definitely got songs on playlists that I'm like, it's great for a workout or whatever. It's not what I'm going to sit down and just want to listen to all the time. Right. It's like a a whole thing with the singles world. Like everything is run by singles. So when you have a playlist of liked songs that are only singles, Mm -hmm. then you're forced to use, you have this entire genre, then your Spotify like mixes and everything. I don't know. It's just like, it's overwhelming how much is at our fingertips at all times which is awesome. But that's why I think this generation coming up is like, they've heard everything. So when they go to start making music, they have every inspiration known to man. It's just really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I think maybe a double-edged sword to some extent, but the ease of being able to release music now too, you know, back in the day, it was much, much harder, but now between SoundCloud and distro kid and all those things that you can push to everywhere right anybody theoretically anybody that has some level of technical skill can get it out there right and like sifting through that is a little challenging sometimes it it can be for sure the the stat that i saw is something like sixty thousand songs per day get pushed to spotify oh my god so yeah yeah (laughs) sifting through that madness and trying to you know like on the one hand it's as a listener, that's extremely daunting as well, like to find the music that you want. But as an artist, like, holy crap, how do I get through the noise? I wonder, I don't know how you would find this percentage, but what percentage of 60,000 are just like people that, I don't know, like, you know, the profiles that you come across sometimes that are like, these aren't even real people, hardly. Right, (laughs) right. I don't even know, they have two streams and that's it. So I wonder what percent is like actual like artist driven with socials and pushing projects, releasing music every day. That'd be, if it were actually 60,000, I'd be so stressed out. Yeah. I highly doubt that it's that high. Um, it, I feel like a lot of it is probably exactly what you're saying. It's kind of like the, the spam social media accounts, right? Like, right. I don't really understand how that exists on Spotify, but it does. (laughs) It it has to, there's no way that it can't, or it's just a bunch of kids that are like, you know, literal kids that are oh cool I made a hundred a minute 30 long song I'm gonna put it out there like yes it's okay you found a way but right right right. um, I'm praying that that's a big percentage yeah I I feel like it probably is but I think the cool thing too even though the algorithm constantly changes and to your point like 
for the people like us that listen to so much different stuff, sometimes it's hard for the algorithm to like understand what we listen to or right. what we're looking for. But I think, I think because people do listen to so much now, they are open to explore for more, if that makes sense. So like right. they're going to go hunt down the right sound for them. For sure. Yeah. Cause you, you're aware that now you like this many genres. So there are X amount of artists in every genre. There's like, it's overwhelming how much there is to discover. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk about the EP. Uh, like I said, this episode's going to go live just before it drops. So um, you've got your EP called God's Favorite coming out. Um, you're pushing the envelope sonically, a little bit visually and lyrically as well. What's this project mean to you? Um, that's a very broad question. I think it means a lot to me because it's my first EP. Um, so I've always been very like um, overwhelmed by the idea of putting a collection of songs together because I write so many all the time. I'm excited about everything. I love writing, love finishing songs. So I just have like an arsenal and putting them in groups is like so stressful to me, <laughs> like yeah. pick my favorite children basically. And it's just, mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm very like content with this track list, very happy with how it sounds all together and in order mm -hmm. hopefully people don't shuffle it um <laughs> but yeah I lyrically and sonically like you're talking about I just I wanted to do something that was just towing the line just enough mm -hmm. uh, without being like blatantly like in everybody's face I think it's still artistic um in that way so I'm I'm just very excited to see the reaction see yeah like it. yeah for sure and something that you said that I'm a big preacher of as well is at least the first couple times you listen to a new collection of songs ep album whatever it is don't skip around play it front to back like really absorb what this mm -hmm. is yeah i think that's like my biggest beef with streaming is that it's so um it lends to shuffling like they mm -hmm. i don't know just every way the layout is on these apps wants you to shuffle and i'm like don't just don't offer i feel like with every first release, your first listen through, that should be a feature on these apps that you have to go in order. Yeah. But. Yeah, that would be dope. And I, I've said, like, regardless of if it's a true, like, conceptual album or anything, right? Like, they're laid out in that order for a reason. Like, people mm -hmm. have spent hours upon hours in a yes. room to decide that this is how this right. works. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's almost, it, it, <laughs> this is aggressive to say, but it's almost disrespectful to the artist to skip right. around the first time that you listen. I just think it's like, it's up to the listener and the right kind of listeners will listen in order. And that's all we can, right. you know? Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, so let's break down some of these songs. Um, one thing I don't really do anymore is uh, because I've been doing music journalism forever now. Uh, I don't ask like you to tell the exact story about it because I don't want to take away any meaning or connection that people make to it. But right. like, crafting the songs and you know developing what the the sound space is supposed to be um obviously you just dropped father son holy ghost not too long ago and it's been taking off like for a newer release like what is it about the sonic space that that i don't have a great way to ask this question like what made you feel comfortable 
with the content that you're doing. And I don't like, I don't think it's offensive by any means. I just, you, you all understand what I mean. What made you feel comfortable saying that I want to be this controversial with this type of content? You know what I mean? Um, that's a tricky question to answer because I feel like that's the general um, reaction that even like my close friends, when I show them the song, when I finished it, they're like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> is this what you want? I didn't even second guess it. I finished the song right. and I was like, I love this. I'm stoked on it. I'm going to put it out. And I think I'm a little bit fueled. Maybe it's like a dark thing, but I'm a little bit fueled by that. Yeah. That if, if someone listens to it and goes like, if I play a song for a friend and they're like, that was really good. I'm like, trash that one. <laughs> like that's, that is not the reaction. I didn't want a vanilla, like, mm, that was nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so every time someone that I showed the song to, or any of the other ones, like the song dinner for one, it's about cannibalism. So mm-hmm. everybody I showed it to, what, like I literally did a focus group with my friends and they were like, are you, why are you doing this? Like you have so many other songs. Like, do you, are you sure you want to release a song with Dahmer in the line? And I was like, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. I got what I needed. Um, but I don't know. I, I hope that answers your question. I'm, I'm not uncomfortable with it at all. <laughs> I think right. that, that fuels it more. Yeah, no. And I, I don't think you should be uncomfortable with it. Like I said, to me, it's not offensive or, or that Yeah. like, sure. It's controversial if you are taking it at the most black and white aspect of it. Which but is if, common for the internet. So that's what's happening. Right, right. But, but if yeah. you're an open-minded individual and looking at it, it's like, oh, I, I get where this play on words is. I understand like where the mind is kind of fighting the duality of religion versus not and things like that. Right, yeah. It's not so surface. Even though it sounds like, it just sounds like a silly like mocking song, but it's, it's a little more than that. So I don't feel, I definitely don't ever want to be offensive. Um, but on the other hand, like questioning things and bringing things to light and with, uh, humor involved too is really fun and important, I think. Um, but yeah, like the kind of artists that are just like blatantly like cursing out, I don't know. I just, that's not really appealing. I like to be a little more tongue in cheek with it. And yeah. Yeah. Well, like, obviously you're not going for shock value or anything like that either. Like this is intentional in that, like, again, it's not a shock value thing of like, oh, I bet I could get a big reaction out of this. It's the internet. I'm going to get a reaction no matter what I say. Right. I could say that the sky is blue and people are going to be like, nope, it's green. (laughs) Right. You're wrong. You've been lied to your whole life. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) but no, that's what it is. Um, So, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think there's a little bit of, regardless of what you do, people are going to see it in kind of a black and white surface level. Um, But like you mentioned with dinner for one, which is one of my favorite songs that I've, I've come across on your Spotify and everything so far uh, is I think it's a really fun song because it does kind of put it in people's face, put it in the listener's face of like, check this out. Like I'm being gross, quote unquote, for the audio version. Um, You know, I'm being gross, but like, if you actually dive into this song, there's so much more meaning to it than just literal cannibalism. Right, right. It didn't start as like, how can we make a ridiculous song about cannibalism and mentioned Dahmer. Like that was never a sentence, which is why it was such a shock that like, I got like mini canceled for that song on TikTok. Yeah. But in the in the room writing it with Paige, um, we were just like, we, we were caring about the melodies and the song structure and how the instrumentation felt. 
And those lyrics just like came so naturally. And we started it as like, how can we write a song about loving when someone so much, you just want to like, it's not a literal right. symbolism song. And, you know, people are going to take what they're going to take from songs. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's tongue in cheek, right? Like so many people, especially in pop culture and, and movies and whatnot, like the, like you said, the loving someone so much. And it's like, oh, I could just eat you up. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm just... I'm playing on the idiom right. there. Like, let's do that. Right. And like, yeah, at what point is that not allowed? Well, yeah, it's the age of the internet and cancel culture. So yeah. <laughs> um, Stray Dog is another one that I think the deeper meaning is potentially lost on a lot of people. Um, the obedience factor that you talk about and things like that. Um, obviously, again, without unless you decide you want to give the whole story, but like how much of that is real life influence into like that I've seen this happen or this has happened to me, like, and kind of pushing that narrative to the side and saying, this isn't really okay. Like, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was a personal experience of mine with someone else that it happened twice, actually once before I wrote the song and once after. So it has like a new meaning to me now for someone else, but it's just the weird experience of like being interested in someone and seeing their past affect how they um, react to you and stuff like that. And how someone could be like so poorly treated in a past mm-hmm. relationship. And then you're just like left to deal with that. And, right. you know, um, but yeah, I don't think anybody's like really, maybe they are. And I'm, I'm just not hearing about it, but I think that people are taking like the very surface level meaning of like sit and stay and how, I mean, the video, we have like a Doberman in it. So definitely like played up on that. But yeah, it's totally about um, what you were saying, like obedience and kind of abusive, emotionally abusive relationships and um, how they, you know, get passed along to the next one with that person and how other people, even if I'm not doing anything wrong, this person is reacting to me in this way. And I'm going, I didn't do any of those things to you, you know, like, um, it's just a very interesting experience. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, with the music video, the the imagery I do I do think lends itself very well to it because, you know, thinking about a stray dog that maybe has been physically abused or whatever. And like right. I just want to love you and this dog cowers because I picked up my hand. Right. Like yep. I'm not exactly. hitting you. I want to hug you. I want to pet you. Like Yep. It's like the actual uh explanation of the phrase who hurt you. Like Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, for sure. Um you have two songs I saw on your Instagram you haven't technically told anybody about yet, but uh, with this coming out just before um, the opening and closing tracks, we'll leave it at that unless you want to name drop them now. Uh, what what do you think the intent was, I guess, is how I'm going to put that. Using the opening track the way that you are and the closing track the way that you are were they intentional bookends, I guess, is what I want to say for this story. Definitely. I don't know if you've been sent them. Have you? I have not yet. Okay. Um, the first one, it's called Yes, Please. And it is like the most on the nose chorus I've ever written. Um, and it's also the um, only song on the EP that I wrote and produced by myself. So I just thought it was a cool way to start the album. Album. Um, and it's, it's just really, um, a way to, I, I, sometimes I think like 
if someone were to check out my music, I'd send them like a more tame song and then ease them into it. And yeah. the other times I'm like, why not just like throw them in the water? Yep. And so that's what I wanted to do with this first song. It is so blasphemous and <laughs> I'm really excited about it. It was really fun to write um, just because it's so like not even trying to be metaphoric once you hear it. You'll yeah. it. And then the last song is called Love and War. Um, and it's, I chose that to end the EP just because it's like, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's a rock song. It's just rock song, period. It's just, um, I love the instrumentation on it. My buddy Nate Dodge produced it and there's a lot of screaming in it, which I wanted to end the record with. Um, but it's, it's not anything like offensive. There's no like lyrical play. I just was like, in my feels that one day and wrote like just a, a rock love song. And I thought that would be an interesting way to start with like something blasphemous and have the record follow that way. And yeah. then end with something that was just a little more like real. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that that is a, a cool idea because I think, you know, for the three songs that have been released, you know, if you listen to them in the correct order, it, whether it was intentional and, and, planned as you wrote them they've kind of fit that flow this way as well like moving through the story even mm -hmm. though it's not a true conceptual album right yeah definitely there's a flow to it yeah mm -hmm. um so let's talk a little bit about you've got you know the very semi-religious let's call it very religious uh imagery with it with the whole surrounding the whole ep called god's favorite um with whatever you're comfortable discussing around that, you know, the, I think society has moved to more of a, I don't like organized religion type of thing. And it's becoming more and more acceptable and things like that. Is that kind of where your head's at with a lot of this as well as that, you know, there's so much maybe hypocrisy built into organized religion and you know what I mean? Oh yeah. You hit the nail on the head. I think the whole hypocrisy thing and and the fact that there is so much evil within the church which is such an ironic thing um i used to be um, involved in the church i was a worship leader for six years um and i have nothing against i have a lot of religious friends and i'm again i never want to be offensive or disrespectful um i just think that in like you're saying in society there's a lot of um hate coming from that which is supposed to be based in love and being good and yeah. that's what made me interested in it in the first place so long ago, which was the concept of just being good, being a good human and loving everybody. Cause that's, that's what I always strive to be as everybody does, but yeah, seeing the inner workings of it and um, just, yeah, everything in the, the climate today is so insane. We all know. So it's just, right. it seems like that keeps going back to anybody I see that's on the evil side, they're backing it up with, religious quotes and yes. religion in general it's just so I just wanted to touch on that with a humor spin yeah for <laughs> sure and I, I think you did an incredible job and I think you know I'm in that same boat where like I'm much more what I would consider spiritual rather than than religious type of thing mm -hmm. um and same thing like I I was involved in church for a very long time and seeing the inner workings and hypocrisy and getting to the point where exactly what you just said, where all these radical 
and extreme views are being quote unquote justified because, well, my religion says, and it's like, Mm -hmm. if you've all read the books, like whatever religion it is, read the book again, because the ultimate Mm -hmm. message is just be a good person. Right. Just love. Right. It's all the extremists. You're exactly right. It blows my mind how crazy out of whack that has gotten over the years. But Mm -hmm. um, within that, though, I do think it, it lends itself to a sort of humor you know what I mean like it almost makes fun of itself at this point right because of how that, that was what I was gotten. thinking if, if they get to make fun of themselves in that way I get to too <laughs> right right for sure um so let's talk a little bit about being God's favorite uh obviously is the play on words um and then the imagery that you use throughout the the videos you've also kind of brought in not just like a humor to it and this sat- satire of the religion there's a little bit of a horror aspect in it. Where does that come from for you on this love for horror imagery and and stations, you know? Um, I think that's just like a selfish thing that I wanted to incorporate because I love, I don't think there's any like uh, actual connotation, like any tie with any, I just love horror movies. I love scary things. I'm obsessed with Halloween. Um, yeah. When I was a kid, I used to make horror movies. I would like put my hair in front of my, I was, <laughs> I was a creepy kid. Um, so all of those things and in, in, in film, especially anything that's like on the eerie, like uncomfortable side. Yeah. I just, I love it so much. So finding people that want to have that vision as well with music videos, it's just like, uh, it's so awesome to me. Yeah. And that, <laughs> that's exactly where I was going with that is the, the cinematic qualities from horror that you've brought into the music videos like even if nobody knew that oh she's a horror fan like if you're a fan and have seen horror movies you're going to watch your videos and go okay I get this like yeah (laughs) here's a little bit of like Wes Craven here's a little bit of like M. Night Shyamalan type stuff Mm -hmm. or whatever um and playing with different camera tricks and just even the the coloration of a lot of things right like um in Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you use a lot of blacks and reds and then the stark white offsets for some things. And it's like, wow, okay. Like I get what this is trying to do. Yeah, that makes me so happy that you said that. So I appreciate that. I just really want to have music videos be more cinematic and interesting than like, I feel like it's so easy for nowadays to just do, throw up a visualizer, you know, or a lyric video. And it's what a lot of people are doing. And I just, I'm obsessed with music videos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think they've, obviously COVID adjusted this a little bit as well, but I think the shift was already moving to where like people, and it is expensive to make music videos. Obviously you can, you know, go down that road, but so many bands and artists, I think started taking the cop out of, Oh, let's just put up a performance video because I, the three of us can go hang out in the abandoned warehouse and just play a song like, Mm -hmm. okay, but there's no fun to that. Right. Yeah. I think that that art is being lost in it a little bit. Like I think TikTok has taught people in a way that like the easiest, most DIY, you know, any old thing can blow up. So there's no use in putting effort into art anymore, which I agree. Everything could be DIY. My videos are on the DIY side for sure. Yeah. Um, and, but I still think that there's a way to make them look more intentional. Like I planned these videos for months. Like I put so much effort into doing the shot list and doing everything and working with the people that are shooting them and they put in so much effort. So it's just like, I think not to toot my own horn. I mean this for any artist that does like a quality music video, I think it shows 
if you put yeah. effort in, or if you're just like, let's throw something together in a, in a week or whatever and see what happens. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. The, um, the band, they're called Rain City Drive now. They were formerly known as Slaves before um, Wait, they I switched lead, lead singers. Familiar. Uh, they've got they've got two new albums with the new lead singer. His name is Matt McAndrew. He was on either The Voice or one of the singing competitions. Anyway, um, they have a song called like Talk to a Friend and it's about okay. mental health and all that. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. So um, when they were doing the music videos for that album, it was one of those things where it was like, guys, we have two weeks before we go on tour and they grabbed their video guy the band and you know a couple friends and they went out and they filmed in a warehouse filmed in a, a junkyard in the desert and tried to make a cohesive story and it it worked but at the same time you're like hmm it literally feels like you were looking at the warehouse for that song and then you turned around to look at the desert for this song and then you know what I mean like everything right. felt like it was just right there right Exactly. Yeah. It just turns into like, like, let's just find a location, any old location, mm-hmm. let's put the band there. Like what is separating that from any other video on the internet? It's just, you're just yeah. falling into like the rest. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think, you know, again, me playing the age card, but being 38, I remember watching MTV back when they actually had music videos and stuff. Right. And like, that was fun. Like, Oh, what are they coming out right. with this, this week or whatever? Okay. Um, and now it's like, Oh, they did a music video for that. Cool. You know, like it, it just doesn't have that same appeal anymore. Yeah. I think I'm like, I'm holding so tightly onto that even like 10 years ago when, when mm-hmm. artists were doing just the most cinematic, awesome, weird music videos, um, and conceptual stuff. And I feel like it is leaving and I don't want it to. And right. everybody like that I talked to that I'm, I'm like, I need a music video for this song. And they're like, why? Like, just release a song. Let's just keep moving on. I'm like, I need to do, when I wrote the song, I had the video idea. These are all the same thing to me. I need to do it. It's so, and like, I just don't even think that there's a market for music videos right now, which sucks. It, it is a weird, weird space. Like, yeah, obviously YouTube still puts them all up and all that. But like, I do think you're right. Like there's no, no desire or incentive for people to go find the music video no kids aren't like sitting at home browsing music videos anymore it's just like they're on tiktok instead or whatever they're doing they're not like obsessing over artists and diving into every music video they have like we used to do yeah yeah and i i can't even begin to tell you the youtube rabbit holes that i went down back in the day right that's what made it so awesome and you find so many (laughs) artists that way but whatever maybe we're both just aging ourselves in this conversation (laughs) probably probably um (laughs) But swinging it back around to the EP for you, um, you've got the EP release show coming up in Nashville on May the 3rd um, at the end. Let's talk a little bit about that. Like, obviously, Nashville holds a special place in your heart. It makes sense to do the EP release there. Kind of what's gone into this plan for you? Um, yeah, so the venue choice is interesting because I played a, another show, only one other show um, before. And it was also in Nashville. It was my like kind of start of the project. And it was at a venue called Exit Inn, which is kind of a historic venue in town. Mm-hmm. And it's much bigger than The End. Um, but I just, The End is kind of one of those, like, have you ever been to this venue or? No, 
No, yeah. I've heard great stories about it, but I've never yeah. been to it. It's like a different kind of historic and it's just like a grungy, cool venue. And um, it's been having a lot of great shows lately. So I just thought that would be a cool choice. Um, but yeah, I don't play shows very often. That other show exit in was January, 2021, I think. Right before the world shut down. <laughs> or a year after. Wasn't that 2020? Am I tripping? Wait, maybe it was January, 2020. You might be right. Maybe it was 2020 when the the hard yeah. lockdown came in. And then, yeah. yeah. So whenever this, it was over a year ago is when I played right. my first show. And then in between that has been nothing. I had like a release party where I played a couple of songs, but that was nothing. Um, so I'm really, really excited. I'm just really precious about shows. Um, I plan for them also like months and months and months going into it. And like, I just put a lot of effort into them. Yeah. Um, so I'm really, really excited. Well, and I think, you know, that says a lot about you as an artist, too, because, I mean, obviously, we all want as many live shows as possible and things like that. But just like what we were just saying on on music videos, like, I think live shows have changed a lot over the, the last few years, too, where there's not as much effort in stage yeah. presence and stuff. It's like, cool, we're we're here to just play tonight. And it's like, OK, right. guys, but hit me with lighting, do something like yeah. costumes, something. Yes, absolutely. And there's like hardly any of that in Nashville because of the plethora of musicians. And it's just, they all think that you should play three times a month or whatever. Like all of my friends and everybody not to talk down on them at all. I just, I couldn't even do that. I couldn't keep up with that. I don't even know right. how they do that. Um, but yeah, I just, why, why tour within your own city? Like I want to tour, trust me, that's all I want to do is play shows, but I want to be, I want to be uh, uh, tactical about it. I don't yeah, know. That's a little more for, strategic with it. And right. Then, yeah, yeah. That was the word I was looking for. So yeah. Um, yeah, like the lineup for this show, every single uh, lineup in Nashville is just kind of the same rounds of bands that open up for each other and then they'll switch because the other one will headline and then they'll switch back. And it's just like, right. I've seen all of these bands so many times and I'm, I'm toast. I can't do it. anymore. <laughs> I also don't even love live music personally. I don't like standing there. My feet hurt. My back hurts. Like I just, I don't go to shows a lot for a lot of reasons. Right. So for this one, when we were talking about who to have open or anything like that, I was like, I can't think of anybody. I can't think of anybody that's first of all, like in anything in my wheelhouse, like my realm and one that doesn't play three shows a month so yeah. instead I wanted a choir so that's who's opening the show it's just me and a choir yeah and that that should be super dope and I think I'm definitely in the same boat as you like I go to a lot of shows because of this job and and doing concert photography and things like oh that gosh. yeah but I, I'm the same way like there's a meme that I send to a group of my friends every single time it pops up and it's this guy just standing off on the side and it's like, dear band, it's not that I don't love your music. It's that I'm in my thirties and I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. That, that's exactly how I feel. And when every show is like what you're saying, people aren't putting that much effort into them. It's just, if the show's not interesting and now you're standing there and you bought a ticket and you're just like, I don't know, it's not, like how it was before when everything is so captivating and yeah. like production level is like through the roof. Like I haven't seen a show like that in ages. Honestly, like the, the one that comes to mind for me um, is uh, in this moment, they do an incredible set. Oh, cool. I haven't seen they, them. I want to. You'll at least look up YouTube live videos of them because like Maria goes insane with 
designing all of this stuff and there's costume changes and then you know all this fun stuff and um they did a tour through indiana it's been a few years back but they had new year's day open for them and then ash came out with maria for a song and it was just so cool to see like this real theatrical vision come to life and then literally like two nights later i shot a different band and i'm like okay (laughs) way to just have red lights and stand in front of your mic like at least run around the stage or do something it's like such a privilege and an honor to play a show i think and to do it like that is like such a disservice it's you have people in front of you paying to see you perform these songs it should be phenomenal every time yeah for sure um let's talk a little bit about as we kind of move towards the end to wrap up here talk a little bit about you mentioned it at the beginning the madness that is your playlists who are some artists that aren't getting the love that they deserve that you know are like right on the cusp you know what I mean like if they just got that spot you know I do the same thing yeah if I don't have my spot in front of me I can't tell you one artist I've ever liked (laughs) right (laughs) um so wait, your question was that someone that's maybe underrated? Yeah, yeah, okay. who you view as underrated at least. Okay. Oh boy. I am especially all over the place right now. All I've been listening to for the past like three months is Imogen Heap, but... Um, but how incredible is she? She, so the thing amazing. is, like the amount of songs that she has, the the career that she's had, but she is still one of those artists that, if you name her in a group of people, you're going to have like one person that's like, oh, I've heard, I've heard. Right. And they've only heard her. like hide and seek. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it blows my mind. I only, honestly, I'm not going to try to sound like I've known her for forever. I just discovered her like six months ago. And cause I've known hide and seek and I don't even like that song. So I right. wrote her off as a musician. Um, cause there's like no instrumentation in that besides vocoder. So it didn't appeal to me. And what a shame that that's her like hit song, because if I had heard <laughs> good night and go like, 10 years ago, that would have altered the course of my life. This yeah. that album, Speak for Yourself, is one of the best albums I've ever heard in my entire life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's 100% crazy agree. that she's, I mean, it's kind of cool though. I saw someone using her song on TikTok recently and I was like, don't do this. Do not blow <laughs> up Imogen Heap on TikTok. Don't ruin this. But at the same time, I mean, we saw what it did for Bad Omens and Pierce the Veil. So maybe, but yeah. Yeah. I that don't is know. cool that Pierce the Veil is having like a second. Yeah, they got their kind of second wind. Um, Dayseeker has been blowing up lately as well. Like, yeah, and Spirit Box and stuff like that. Spirit Box, yeah. Courtney's voice is another one that, like, how that woman does the stuff that she does. Right. I don't get it. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm looking through. There are some rappers that I think need to be completely mainstream and blow up. Like, there's one called IDK, Mm -hmm. Um, AG Club. Oh, gosh, who else? I think break-ins is already blown up, but. I think he's, it's weird for him, right? Like I know who he is. I forget how I stumbled upon him. Some, you know, random Spotify algorithm thing or whatever, but he was same thing for me. Like just discovered him a couple months ago and I started diving into stuff and I'm like, how is this dude not more popular? What is going on? He is popping off on TikTok. So I hope he becomes massive. He's so talented. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah all of my stuff other than that it's all indie so i don't know it's like, <laughs> um leith ross i think is how you say their name dora jar yeah 
yeah. a lot of random things all in the same playlist. So I just press shuffle and mm-hmm. I never like have a problem. I don't know. I'm always, even if I'm in like a rap mood and Imogen Heap comes on, I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. But and like, again, the human nature, right? Like the amount of attention span that we all have and stuff like that. It's like, I can be in a rap mood or a metal mood, right. but I can give up three minutes to relax to Imogen Heap and then come yeah. back into it. Yeah, that's so true with our attention span. I wonder if, had it not been for iPhones and stuff, if we would still feel the same. Probably not. Yeah. Having <laughs> having the internet, smartphone in general, having the internet like at your fingertips, in your pocket at all times, yep. it, it makes me sound so old, but it, it really has ruined a lot of us because, you it's know, awful. if you... I'm older than Google, but I remember, you know, like you didn't get on the internet until you got home. Like if somebody told right. you about something, mm-hmm. you might be able to go home and find it. And even then it was like, right. the internet was so young that maybe it exists. Maybe it doesn't, you know, like, right. Yeah. That's you, so you went down to the, you know, the blockbuster or whatever to rent movies. You couldn't go online and pirate anything. Like I want that time back so badly. Oh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah. badly. That'd be so lovely. I gave up my phone recently for five months and it was the most peaceful five months of my existence. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I told someone just the other day, we were talking about social media and stuff. And I was like, honestly, like my personal social, social media, I don't use that much. Like if I didn't have a podcast and a business that I'm I say working, the same thing. Oh, there is no shot. I would have a social media. I don't yeah. know how people just like have it for their personal lives and are also addicted to it. Yeah. It blows my mind. Yeah, it's crazy. blows my mind. <laughs> uh, so something I've been doing recently is uh, I bought this game called Hot Takes, and that's what I'm using for my wrap up questions now. So uh, <laughs> there, some of them are a little more controversial than others. I think this one's pretty safe, but uh, this one is that the opinion is waffles are better than pancakes. Um. I'm going to say false, Be- even though I primarily eat waffles because I have one of those cute little waffle makers, right. but anytime <laughs> I've ever gotten a waffle out in public at a restaurant, it never hits and pancakes They're all- trash. They yeah. are trash. Yeah. They if, never it's, hit. if it's homemade, I would agree. Homemade, yeah. I want a waffle. If right. I'm going out anywhere, like it's got to be a pancake. For no yeah. Got to be a pancake. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then... The last one that we'll use, and I think this one's very fitting for you, uh, trauma makes you funnier. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. Very true. Right. Need I say more? No. And I I just had, so I have a second podcast called Musicians for Mental Health, and I just had um, Emmy Mack from the band Red Hook. They're an Australian alt metal pop punk. They fit in a bunch of different boxes as well, but um, we were kind of talking about that, you know, she's thank god a a sexual abuse survivor and um but we were talking about how like we're having this very heavy conversation but her and i are both making each other laugh throughout it because it's like we know dark humor is what's going to help heal for sure it's a coping thing but it works yeah and it, it keeps it just light enough that it's like okay i can continue to talk about this thing because Right. It's at least a little bit funny the way that we're talking about it. Right, you know? right. <laughs> um, not that sexual abuse is funny at all, but. Right. No, I got, it, you. I got you. It's You're definitely. You're not going to get canceled for saying that. Yeah. If I do, I do. You know, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> um, no, I, I do think that it is a weird thing. There was a meme that I saw a while back that kills me. And it was uh, 
you never realize how traumatic or dark your story is until you tell it to someone thinking that you're being funny. Right. And then they look at you like, are you, are you okay? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Mm, whoops. Wow, that's so <laughs> yeah. <Very true. laughs> so um, obviously I'll link all your socials and everything, but what's the best way as we just shit talk to uh, social media, yeah, right. what's the best way to <laughs> find I'm you online? Um, yep. yeah. <laughs> Instagram is baby official, B-A-Y-B-E spelled like maybe that's what I always say in person. And yeah. then TikTok, baby official. Awesome. Uh, Obviously, we want people to get out to the end. Tickets are still available from what I can tell. Um, relatively cheap, $12 advance, um, 18 plus show, just because obviously um, <laughs> that's the venue issue more than anything, right? Um, but I think, I think it's a good idea considering my song content. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, definitely don't need like a 12 year old in the, <laughs> in the crowd listening to it necessarily, but uh, hopefully, you know, that, that packs out. And I, I think you're on the right path as far as, or the right concept anyway, for being intentional with the, the shows and things like that, at least in this stage, because again, live music is as much as I do love it. There's not enough like excitement behind it anymore because of it being washed out. Right. Um, so I think, you know, again, you're on the right path there. I'm stoked for you. This album, EP, whatever we're going to call it, uh, I think is is dope. I'm really excited to see what else you have in, in store because I think this is, you know, at least from what I've heard and going back through your back catalog, it, it's a great piece as an introduction to like, look at what I can do. And I'm like, the beautiful thing is you didn't put yourself in such a box with this EP either. Like, the doors are clearly open that I can go step in this direction or right. go over here. So yeah. really excited to see what you have coming up. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate your time. And again, thanks for, for shifting this and, yes, and we'll, uh, awesome. stoked for you. Yay. Thank you so much. It was nice meeting yeah. you. Yeah. Nice meeting you. And that was my conversation with baby. Again, really want you guys to go check her out. Uh, she's dope. It's a super cool project. Um, really, really looking forward to seeing where all of this goes for her. Because as I said, they're kind of towards the end. Like To me, this project has so many different directions it could go in. There's so many different soundscapes she can play in. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun to, to watch. So be sure that you go check it out. New EP called God's Favorite. You can find it anywhere. Uh, huge shout out to her for adjusting the, the schedule a little bit. Um, we shifted when the, the interview happened and it worked out a little better for both of us. So that was cool. Um, as always, I'll have all the socials and everything linked in the description of this podcast. So be sure that you go give her a, a follow, a like, share, subscribe to all of her stuff. Uh, let her know that you listen to the podcast because that would be super dope. Um, and yeah, just, you know, anything you can do to help support the algorithm, whether it's like her videos, her TikToks, her Instagram reels, posts, whatever, um, or just stream her music if you're into it. So, uh, that's everything I've got for you guys on this episode. Uh, this is the first episode as well of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. So I do want to briefly touch on that um i do have merch up in the shop that 
has a green heart on it. Uh, I know most of you have seen that for a while, um, and it is a kind of staple for us, uh, but it's not just a arbitrarily chosen image. Uh, the green heart for us, the heart is just one of our logos, but the green represents mental health awareness. So um, that's always at the core of what we do. And it'd be really cool if you pick up some, some merch and um, kind of spread the word, you know. Uh, I do have a couple new episodes of Musicians for Mental Health. So if you haven't checked that out, go into the search bar and search for Musicians for Mental Health um, and find that podcast as well. Really cool conversations going on over there. Really um, enjoying what we're doing for that. Uh, And that's everything I've got for you guys on this episode. So as always, I appreciate everything that you do for me. Give us a like, share, subscribe, follow. Uh, Check out the Weekend's Wave 2023 playlist. And as always, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.